This is episode 101 of How to Human. And in this episode, I wanna cover how we treat people who make horrible mistakes publicly. And A, how do we treat them as an individual? And B, how do we as a society handle them? How could we handle them? And maybe even how should we handle them? And it's complicated case by case because everything is different. And it's an evolving standard that we're still figuring our way around in this culture where everybody gets an opinion and everybody wants to cancel somebody and everybody wants to pull sponsors. But this came up when I saw a small Twitter tirade around Alison Morris's misspeak where she may have said the N-word on TV. And I want to play that for context and then I want to talk about it. Was perfectly cast on the Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers community. So that's the audio, and let's discuss it. Let's tackle the individual instance first. So there are two options here, really. She either misspoke and did as she said, which is try to mix Knicks and Lakers and end up saying Nakers or she said the N-word in a complete and total brain fart. So let's deal with the first ones first. Did she misspeak and it was just a really unfortunate coincidence that it sounds a ton like the N-word? I don't really care if she actually did or not. Let's deal with the idea that she did and that it's being interpreted this other way. Because what we're really talking about is how society interprets this kind of language. Because that's what I care about and what we should really care about. People are going to be stupid. People are going to make mistakes. And that's going to happen. But how do we treat it? So let's say she actually did say nakers and it sounded like the N-word. And people are calling for her job, which they are. What does her employer do. It's hard because people are calling for her head and they're going to call for sponsors to boycott and there are going to be people saying, I believe this was MSNBC, MSNBC hires racists and they're allowing these things to be said on TV and they're presumably, if they believe that she said the N-word truly and she didn't, they're not gonna back off it because that's their point of view. And they are have a hardened idea of what justice is. And justice would only be that person's firing. And in that case, and again, this is the scenario where she didn't say it, that it, it actually was a misspeak. She would be potentially forced out for something that she didn't do and mob rule would be would take effect here would be what becomes the justice system here and the problem with that is that it's wrong it is uh, letting people and their emotions and their emotional expression and wants 
override logic. Because if logic says, didn't make a mistake, but emotions say, well, I'm really mad about it, well, then emotions take over and un illogical things are happening. So the other scenario is she had a total brain fart and she said it. And it's really hard to believe because everybody knows is a death sentence for your personal life, your career, for a lot of different things. Like that's the kind of thing where you kind of, hey, you lose your career in journalism, period. And you probably gotta move towns, you might have to change your name. Like these are really, you don't say the N word out loud anymore. And which is what makes it so hard to believe. But let's just say she said it. Let's just say she went all the way deep in whatever Freudian thing is and she said what she truly meant. Does she get fired for that? Does she get the world's worst mistake to eventually try to get on the right side of? Like say, I made a horrible mistake. Not only was, I think one of the things people are mad about is that she made the excuse as opposed to saying that she said it. And a person I respect on this issue is a guy named Jason Whitlock, who generally is considered a black conservative, but at least he doesn't see racial issues necessarily through a postmodernist lens all the time. And he was very dissatisfied with her, what he considers excuse. And I think, I believe, he believes she said it. But separating myself from his point of view, if she said it, does she need to be fired? And I don't know. It isn't something that we can allow. It isn't something that we can permit. But I hate the idea that we're all defined by our worst mistakes. I did a podcast I don't know, a dozen or so ago about the need for perfectionism in the society. And I quoted Kevin Hart on that, who has his great Netflix special, six episodes called Don't F This Up. And he's full of mistakes, as we all are. And we are judged so harshly by them. And it's so easy for somebody to cast aspersions on us when we make those mistakes. Because it's, well, one, there's a lot of social cachet in that, saying that, uh, you are terrible, and it's it's a virtue signal, which I also covered a couple episodes ago, where I am portraying myself as the morally superior person with my virtue signaling, which is empathy marketing. I'm so empathetic towards the plight of those who are marginalized in this particular situation that I'm going to show it by saying as loudly as possible so that everybody knows that I am super virtuous and there will be social benefits to that by saying I'm so virtuous and so it becomes this competition to say I'm so virtuous I think she needs to be fired I think she needs to be fired and nobody should ever speak to her again I think she should be forced to move out of the country I think you know we should investigate her whole history and dox her and all these various things and like people when looking to, when people are angry and looking to show themselves to be better than and using their anger as the 
mm, the tool to show that they're better than and morally superior and to virtue signal. In order to be more virtuous, you have to be more angry. So and this isn't to say that this isn't to say that she shouldn't be fired. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that the chorus of people calling for it are there's going to be a chorus and it's going to be based on an idea that there's value in saying negative things about people who have made mistakes. And that's what leads to a perfectionism culture and it sucks and it hurts. And we can't say the N word out loud. That's also true. We have to take a stand that this is like yelling fire in a crowded theater. Like there's some parts of free speech that we shouldn't allow. And so in this case, this is tough, right? Because we actually do have to make this call. Did she say it or did she misspeak? And how do I want to fall if she actually did say the N-word? Yeah, I think you got to lose your job. If I have to have an opinion, yeah. I, it's tough. I hate taking livings away from people who literally, that was one second of our life. And it's going to ruin it forever. And this isn't to say you can't punch somebody or kill somebody and ruin your life and other people's lives forever. And saying those things out loud, I mean, are those hurt people as well. That's the whole point why we can't say them. So that's the point of empathy marketing is that you are causing so much pain that I'm going to let you know that you are causing so much pain and I'm going to speak really loud about it. And in this case, probably correctly take the moral high ground. It's The problem with virtue signaling, virtue signaling is when the moral high ground is taken over minor issues. And in this particular case, she probably does need to be fired. No, you know what? I take that back. That's if she said the N-word. And I've heard it a couple different times. Now I'm getting the specifics of the issue. So I want to take it out of the specifics of the issue. If she said the N-word and people are sure, she's got to be fired. If there's an investigation, and I, I mean this, and we slow it down and we do real analysis and figure that she didn't, I think you got to stand by your guns and not fire her because people make mistakes and we've got to allow people to, even if it's just a verbal flub. I've made so many verbal flubs on this podcast. Luckily, none of them, none of them come out in the N-word, but... Um, <laughs> I, I fear a society that is so eager to tear people down. It is hard to live in. It is hard to walk on eggshells because people are so eager to tell you that you're wrong. And it's a road that isn't slowing down. The emphasis on clicks, the emphasis on social proof through being angry and telling other people that they are inferior or should be canceled, that is real, that exists, is associated with hmm, the fragility of society. And this isn't to say that saying the N word out loud isn't wrong, but at a certain point, 
bad things are going to happen. And it isn't, it can't destroy your character when, like, there, there are amount, there's an amount that things can affect you when something happens. And let's say it's one to 10. And, oh, this is such a great reference. I don't remember the name of the professor. It was a Yale professor. It was around Halloween. It was probably three or four years ago at this point. And there was a conflict over whether or not people should be wearing costumes that could be triggering at Yale. And these students had surrounded this professor and they were crying, some of them, because they felt like their identities were under attack because they were being told, don't be so sensitive about Halloween costumes. And it is about the extent to which people can hear things, see things, and feel things that upset them and say, you know what, this world is like that sometimes and not want it to be so completely bubble wrapped that we can never see or hear anything that's uncomfortable. And again, I'm not saying we can say the N-word on TV. I'm saying that when we get so used to a bubble wrap society, we turn everything up to 11, including things that are misspeaks. Again, if she said the N-word, I, th I still think she's gotta go, but there's room for misspeaks. So when Bill Maher said the N-word, I don't know, two years ago or so, I remember Kevin Hart specifically, he was on The Breakfast Club and he said, he can say it, but it's tacky. That's more or less a direct quote. And it is, where am I going with this? If we call for everybody's head when somebody's uncomfortable, then nobody's ever uncomfortable. And A, things get really vanilla, but B, the line moves so that everybody is super duper careful to not say anything insensitive. Because it's easy to offend people who are fragile. And it's the fragility that makes us bubble wrapped. And the fragility means people are hypersensitive. And hypersensitivity leads to cancel culture. And it leads to a society where people are unhappy. I don't remember this. I keep referencing things that I don't remember that well. There was a poll about how people feel about political correctness. And geez, I should have these numbers in front of me. Dave Messman, you run a podcast. You're representing all these things. Why can't you predict where you're going to go? I don't know where I'm going to go. I just go places. But it was 70 some percent of people were dissatisfied with political correctness. And that depends on how you define political correctness really there. Because political correctness is not saying the N-word. Not calling people, like calling gay people the F-word. It is different levels of really obvious microaggressions that we should 
no longer have in the culture. Being respectful of people. That is the original intent of political correctness was to be empathetic enough in speech so as not to hurt people. And then when we put empathy on overdrive, where we're conscious of every single person's emotions at all times such that nobody can ever feel any discomfort. And that's tied into the fact that people are more fragile such that their tolerance for discomfort is lower. Then political correctness gets turned up to 20 and everything is up for debate, how we speak about everything. And it, when we set that into the culture, Sensitivity becomes the norm because what we say out loud becomes culture. That isn't what we say out loud that isn't challenged becomes culture. So if we can say, and here's what I think, and maybe this is my own patriarchal attitude, when people say you guys into a mixed gender room, and that is offensive because it is ignoring the women, to me, that is sensitive and but people say it out loud people say out loud that you shouldn't say that and eventually that's going to become a cultural norm because if you push back against it if you push back against the idea that you guys isn't offensive then either a you're part of the patriarchy b you're not empathetic or c you don't understand therefore that opinion that you guys isn't a problem is diminished. And those people are bullied into silence. And then what happens is saying you guys is, I don't know the words, misogynistic, patriarchal, whatever. Saying that, that you, you cannot say you guys anymore, that becomes a cultural norm. And so where am I going with all of this? You can't say the N word on TV. That's definitely where I'm going with that. So that's one of those things where I don't think that being fired is overkill. It makes me wonder. I think that Governor of Virginia was a really interesting case study in this when he had his blackface scandal. And real quick recap, the, the Governor of Virginia, Governor Northam, had a yearbook photo from 1984 where he was labeled under it as this is a picture of, of Ralph Northam and it was a picture of a guy in a KKK outfit and a guy in blackface. First he acknowledged the picture was him, then he acknowledged it wasn't, then he said it wasn't. And he said, you know what? It wasn't me. I'm not leaving office. And it blew over. I was so surprised by that. I really was. And could this blow over? Maybe. Should it? I mean, like it'd be so easy for me to say, I shouldn't have an opinion. And here's the hard part, everybody has an opinion. People are probably too opinionated. Or rather, people can be opinionated, but they need to be nuanced. People are so quick to jump on an easy emotional reaction. And that's what I'm trying to do here, is to tease this out and be really specific and care about feelings and the truth and what this what message this sense of society and so 
coming back to this individual case, she should be fired if she said it. She shouldn't be fired if she didn't. And that's it for this individual case. I've already covered a lot of how I think society does handle this, could handle this, and should handle this. I think the next place I'd want to go is speed. There's so little time that elapses between when a mistake happens and when someone else is ready to call for their head, to call for action. Maybe that should be the case. I mean, we went a long, long time where travesties happened. And I remember reading a story. It was about homes being taken from people who were behind in their real estate taxes and how it was disproportionately used against black owners and right decades and decades as this went on and who has time for justice nobody and it should be that way that when there are these things that cause such pain there should be an empathetic response to alleviate that pain and the only caveat here is that the speed is like seconds. The speed is as quick as you can put out a tweet. And you don't get to take it back. These things hang there and they become opinions and they become things that other people bounce off of. And then people are retweeting and sending things out. This isn't to say that we also don't have a bunch of people who aren't American inserting their own opinions into the fray because that's part of it too. This part that I don't think we talk about enough. Maybe we do. Maybe some people do. But our culture is coming a lot from social media. And there are people who just want to stir up trouble on social media. A, Americans. We call them trolls. And B, not Americans who just want to cause chaos and that would be a really insidious way to do it to increase cancel culture hmm I'm not saying that's true I'm saying it's part of it though yeah no I'm saying it's true I'm saying that that's what they found in 2016 that we are letting people who aren't in our culture affect our culture affect our anger level affect our tribalism and we don't think about it. We just sort of accept things at face value. And that sort of goes to the shallowness of the thinking of people today. That people are so easily wrapped up in the emotional experience right in front of you and don't take the nuanced look at different signs or where the data comes from or what people who don't agree with me could be thinking. And that shallowness and emotionality of the low-hanging fruit of fear and anger that we get when we're not thinking deeply. Those things are hurtful and toxic and you put them in an environment, you put them in a culture, and this is what we get. A bunch of really angry, scared people 
yelling at each other and not listening and working off emotion and not logic. And I mean, I'm going a weird place from this topic. I, I guess I'm going into cancel culture and it is a problem. And what I'm trying to say is that the antidote to cancel culture is slowing down and considering that there are going to be mistakes people make and these mistakes are made by human beings and human beings are fallible and it's so easy to throw a stone particularly anonymously or semi-anonymously particularly when you throw that stone you get a bunch of credit for it and it's unfortunate that there is a benefit from destroying culture. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy that we don't like the culture, or rather people bemoan the culture that currently exists. And yet those same people who don't like the culture are so quick to be a part of it it is because both sides are doing it everybody's doing it everybody is so mad there's no time there's a lot of empathy but no compassion I'm wondering if that if that can work yep that works people are so willing to side with the downtrodden but nobody's willing to have compassion for those who are honestly doing their best and it just makes people scared it makes people walk on eggshells it makes one a bubble wrap society it silences free speech it makes the world a harder place to live in and it's where we are and it sucks that's the end of this episode of how to human